This is Creative Banter. Batten has returned from his most recent trip to Death Valley, where he experienced a slight existential crisis while photographing glistening mud. This leads to a conversation around anxiety and film photography, as well as the veil of perfection with digital cameras. Once again, I am attempting to replace my large format film kit with digital, this time with the Fuji GFX50S. Will it actually work? I, along with many others, have my doubts. But perhaps there's something different about this one. Let's dive right into it, shall we? Do not disturb, so I don't get disturbed by my hundreds and thousands of friends and texts that I get every day. <laughs> so many followers. And, oh, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. It's nonstop. <laughs> I actually just got a new, like, I don't, I don't know if this was a good idea or a bad idea, but about 15 minutes before we sat down to record, I started transferring over to uh, my new phone because I had an iPhone X or 10 or whatever it was supposed to be. <laughs> and I've had that forever. I, I think that was like pre-pandemic. Um, and so I finally got to the point where it's like, all right, it's time for a new one. So I, I got one of the new uh, new 15s and everything transferred over pretty easily. But I don't know if it just start like making annoying sounds in the background <laughs> and beeping at me and I don't know. But uh, but it's it's been a smooth transition, which is, which is good. Yeah, that's, uh, I think my, yeah, my mom, my mom has the 15 or the 15 Pro, I think is what I had her yeah. get because she came. So, years ago, I had everyone in the family like switch over to Samsung and as I did. And I, it was that like teenage of teenage know-it-all kind of deal of, oh, Samsung's better. And it was during the whole yeah. thing of um, all the controversy around Apple using software updates and that kind of stuff to purposely brick your phone prior to... Like there were uh, new phones being released and that kind of thing, slowing them down. Mm-hmm. So, needless to say, for maybe eight years or so, my family's been on uh, Samsung. And then I got the, when I got the MacBook, I ended up with the iPhone and all the whole ecosystem now. But since she needed a phone, I think she needed one when the 14s came out. But I'm like, just wait a year because the 15s having USB C. Yeah. And so that way she Which didn't have nice. to get any new chargers or anything. And I'm on the 13 Pro right now. Girlfriend is on the 14 Pro. So, we'll eventually upgrade. But it, it's still that annoying thing of everything. Like, I had to get new cables because it's switching over. And yeah, and now it's going to be going back to USB-C once I upgrade again. But Yeah. And, and I wait a long time between phones. Um, obviously, going from the 10 to the 15 is a pretty big jump. But it's usually during the winter trips that I really start to notice the decline in the battery just because it's it's a little chillier. I know it wasn't it was not cold in Death Valley where I just was, but um, but certainly when I'm out in the field and I have the the cell service turned off, I have the Wi-Fi turned off, and I still have to charge it midday because it runs out by like you know ten in the morning or something like that. I'm like, yeah, I, I need to I, I need to get something new. Um, 
especially since I'm using it with the uh, satellite messenger and it's, it's a little bit of a lifeline. Yeah. It's kind of an important yeah. thing to have. So it's, it's good to have something current and up to date and, and everything that's, uh, that's uh, included with that. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when, like you said, when you're using it for a lifeline, that's, yeah, you kind of want that to actually work properly, <laughs> not yeah. fail on you. So, yeah. But yeah. So, uh, I saw that, uh, you, uh, have a, uh, a new camera now. <laughs> what else is new in the world of Cody? <laughs> yes. This one I think will have lasting power, I, I think. Something, something about the, uh, the medium format digital, it seems to have more lasting power. Yeah. So, uh, for anyone who doesn't, for anyone who doesn't know already, Andrew Barufi posted a story on his Instagram page. Uh, what was that? It's last week at some point, a week and a half ago something like that. Um, and he said that he was selling his Fuji GFX 50S. And of course, he also was, is selling his uh, GF 250 millimeter lens, which is a little bit out of my budget, but also not really something that I'm interested in having right now. But nonetheless, uh, he posted that and I just couldn't say no. <laughs> Yeah, it, it was one of those things of the the price was right, and I was I've always been interested in the GFX system, trying it out, trying out digital medium format. Um, more so, I was interested in the GFX fifty R, the rangefinder style. But mm, yeah, but there are benefits to the fifty S. Um, mainly, if I want to in the future, I can take the uh, viewfinder itself off. And have a um, a tilting viewfinder that can move, I think, 180 degrees or something up and down. And you can change the orientation of it a bit, which helps when doing like um, when doing compositions where the camera is fully face down to the ground, uh, because the articulating yeah, screen true. doesn't truly tilt as much as like the screen does on the the Sony A7R5 or whatever it is. Um, yeah. Yeah, so picked that up, and I know everybody's thinking, oh, great, how long is this one going to last? <laughs> and <laughs> I posted something on my story, too. I'm like, so we're taking bets now. How how long do we think? And I got some people that were like, oh, maybe like three months. And they're like, yeah, I was just being nice. Maybe like 60 days or like a, a month or three weeks or something like that. I'm like, yeah. th there's just, there definitely is something different at that I can feel that there's more lasting power to this than with the Sony or whatever, or the Nikon previous to that. Um, more so because ever since I said yes to Andrew about buying it from him, I've been super excited about it. Yeah, and that's a, that's a huge thing. And I didn't yeah. I didn't have that with the Sony. Like the Sony was just a a chance purchase kind of deal. It was just it it felt right at the moment, but after actually having it and playing around with it a little bit. I, like I said before, I just didn't have that excitement to actually use it and to go out with it. I didn't want to take it out into the field and take photographs with it as much as I did with the 4x5. Um, whereas with this, I actually want to go out with it. I want to play around with it. I want to use it like the camera that it is. Um, so I think that's the biggest difference. So, yeah. And I think with, with medium format, again, I, I don't own a medium format digital. I haven't really worked with it other than playing with it. But to me, just from that outside perspective, it, it, 
it feels like if you have a, a camera like that in your hands, you feel like it's something special. Like it's not just something ordinary. And I think that is one of the things that gives that, that little spark of excitement of wanting to get out and to work with it. And, to, and you feel like you're doing something with it. And I can relate that a little bit to you know, the process of working with a large format where, again, there's that, that feeling that you're doing something important, that you're doing something special. And, and I think that's what gives it the lasting power. Yeah. And, and I do think that that's one of the reasons why you will probably hold on to this one for, for quite a while. Yeah. Of course, that's, that's the plan. And I mean, that's also been the plan for the rest of them. But like I said, there definitely is a, there is absolutely a difference here between this and most recently the Sony. Um, I have, and I think part of that comes down to lens selection too. Like a lot of landscape, a lot of landscape photographers will look at the uh, lens lineup for the GFX system and say, oh, well, they don't have X lens or Y lens. They don't have the range that I'm looking for. It's not wide enough. It's not telephoto enough. But I think that limitation, at least for me, is really reminiscent of 4x5. I mean, yeah, because you have really just the one lens you've used for the longest time. Yeah, I've used a single lens for the past five years now on 4x5. So, of course, I can't get that same. It's not like I can get a lens that's going to give me all the same qualities as the 210 on the 4x5 is because I can't get as close. Like right now, I have the Miticon 65mm 1.4, which is about a 50mm equivalent. If I could, if that lens had like macro capabilities, I'd be much closer to mm-hmm. the single lens setup that I would love to have. Yeah. But since it doesn't, it's a matter of I'm going to have more lenses, but I'm still limited in the sense that there aren't 400 different lenses like there are for most mirrorless and DSLR systems out there. Like yeah. you're limited by what you can choose or what you can have. Um, if you want a zoom lens, that or a telephoto zoom lens, you you have the 100 to 200, 5, 6, and that's it. So, unless you're adapting other lenses, but still. Um, so, I think that's ultimately what I'm going to end up with and just play around with that versatility and kind of have a kit not too dissimilar to what Andrew has used for most of his photographs um, and just see what happens. I mean, yeah, I just kind of playing it by ear, but. Um, yeah. Nice. Yeah. I look forward to, to what you come up with that and any observations you have as you, you know, start working with that a little bit more and, you know, comparisons to the process of working with a large format camera and everything. But, but it, to me, that feels like a, a better match for your style and for your approach to photography. Yeah. Um, and I was, I was actually thinking about that a little bit when I was in Death Valley. And I will say that when I, uh, so we're recording this on a Thursday. Uh, I got back this past Sunday. Um, so I, I've been back long enough to drop off my film and pick it up from the lab. And, and I'm, I'll say that I'm, I'm very happy with what I have from the trip. Um, lots of really good opportunities when I was out there. But um, I, I did not have the first day funk. Um, I had kind of like this weird lingering thing on the second and third day. And because I was thinking a little bit about how you had got that medium format camera and I was attempting to take a photo that was 
kind of difficult with large format. It, it didn't it didn't end up being all that great of a photo, but I did take one I really liked a little later in the day. But it was some uh, glistening mud in midday light, which I know I'm painting a picture here. It's just people are like, oh, yeah, <laughs> glistening mud, midday light. Uh, this is great. Um, and it ended up being a little bit of an exercise in frustration because it's really hard to meter. Um, not that the uh, technique in metering doesn't work, but when I'm trying to meter off the highlights of the glistening mud in midday light, you can't read any of the numbers through the light meter. Yeah. Like it's, it just blows out everything. And so, I ended up just kind of blindedly pointing at it and then just doing the mental math and, you know, figuring out how to do things. But when I was in the process of doing that, I was, I was a little bit frustrated, but I was also thinking like, why do I do this to myself? <laughs> <laughs> why, why don't I just use a camera, like a normal camera, like a normal person? Um, and so, I had a little bit of that going on. But then, then once things started um, rolling, and like, like I said, there was a photo I took later that evening, which I'm really, really happy with. Um, and it's the sort of photo that's absolutely perfect um, for large format in terms of it's it's a smaller scene, a little bit of front tilt gets everything in focus. You know, took a picture at just that perfect moment when the the sun is partially obstructed by the mountains in the distance as it's setting, and you get this really nice light. Um, so so that worked out um, worked out pretty well. Um, but I had I had another thought as well, and it was around that like the, the second or third day. Um, I was just, I was, I was questioning a little bit of my purpose of being out there. I mean, this is after taking a photo I was already quite happy with, but I was, I was thinking to myself that, you know, going on these trips, you know, going out to Death Valley, and this is the, the 14th year now that I've gone to Death Valley, going to Zion. I was just thinking, this is all that this will ever be. Um, in the standpoint that I have, I have no ambition to start some sort of gallery. I have no ambition to lead workshops. I have no ambition to do any of those things that would seem like it would take it to another level. Um, and don't get me wrong, I, I absolutely love what I do. I, I love going there and just wandering around and taking pictures. But it's also kind of a little bit weird when, from the standpoint that this is all that this will ever be there's no way to really upgrade from this. And again, I'm happy with where I am, but I think there's so many things in life where, you know, you go to school with a prospect of, of getting a job and then you get that job and then you have the prospect of working your way up higher and higher to the point where, you know, you have, I don't know if people want to get into some sort of management position or whatever, or become the boss and all that sort of stuff. And then at the end of that, there's a handsome retirement. But for me, I'm just like looking at this, this like, this like, flat level thing of like, it is what it is. I'm good with it. But it was kind of a weird feeling. Yeah. Um, so, it, 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 was, it, was, it was an odd thing. But then I went for a bike ride and everything was happy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, there's that. So, you just had a um, little kind of which, existential crisis in the middle of Death Valley. Yeah. And, and it, it's weird because on paper, it's exactly what I want to do. But when you also look at it and things just are kind of going sideways, you feel like there should be some level of ambition to make it greater than that. Mm -hmm. So, it was a really kind of a strange, conflicting kind of thing. And I also think that that's why I've really been enjoying the cycling lately because, you know, I'm still, I'm very new to it. I've been doing this for like six months and 
I see what some people are able to do. And there's like this hill to climb in terms of getting better and all this sort of stuff and knowing that all that stuff will happen, which is kind of exciting. And maybe it's like there's there's not as much excitement in the um, from the photography standpoint. But again, I'm perfectly happy with it. It's just kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. Going back for a minute to your glistening mud and the, <laughs> the highlights. <laughs> yes. Like I thought it was funny when I when I posted on uh, Instagram stories about picking up Andrew's GFX and shared that the his story that he had posted about it being sold to me and all that. I got obviously a bunch of messages from different photographers on there that are like, of course, like how long is this one going to last? And just talking about like why we um, why I decided to go for it, kind of that kind of deal. Um, yeah. And then I got into a conversation about how some people thought that it was a much better option than the Sony, uh, much more fitting, that it would be um, all of that kind of ordeal, like talking medium format cameras a bit. Yeah. One person that I got into a conversation with, we started talking about you and why, in particular, you decide to spend countless amounts of time and energy and money, and especially with large format, especially with 8x10 and slide film versus getting the into like the GFX system or something like that. Um, yeah. And I know that you've said that it's almost inevitable that you will pick one up at this at some point in the future and at yeah. least try. Be forced into it at some point. Yeah. yeah. But it's, I don't know. I just like for me picking it up is and try keep trying. I keep trying to go to digital because I have like my mental health is already like on a teeter-totter every day. And like yeah. the last thing that I need is to be introducing more anxiety into my life than what is necessary. Which film certainly does do. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, of course, I've been doing it for long enough that I know at least generally what I'm doing most of the time or I can pretend to. And But th there's still that anxiety of like you go... You go out and especially when you're going to new places and then you're just wondering the whole time, is this film going to turn out? Did I expose this right? Am I going to screw something up in the developer? And all of these questions keep going through your head and then trying to figure out scanning and if it's going to scan properly. And you have all of these like what ifs along with the simple fact that film is not exactly the cheapest option out there. Yeah. And... That's why I'm I, like I said. That's why I keep going back to digital, or trying to keep going back to digital. And now that I have this GFX, I think that it's going to be it. That this is truly the camera system that will get me to that will get me the results that I want without that anxiety around it. And as much as I love the four x five process, I'm just using this camera has been the few times that I've used it so far has been great. Like every that's good. every process, every part of it, um, and I'd be really curious if, to see you try it out and see how your thoughts or what your thoughts are on it, and if it's something that you would pick up, not because you're necessarily forced to, but because you actually want to. Yeah, and I I think the way that would go would be I I would be excited to use it in the field, but then upon seeing the images, I would end up, there, there is this, uh, this 
a veil of perfection in a way when you're out in the field with something that's you know fancy and new and all that and you're you're excited about it but then once you get to the pictures and you kind of have the reality of like oh there's some color fringing there's this there's that and all of a sudden things seem a little less perfect um i i think that part would bug me a little bit um but i it would be nice to have that feeling of knowing that you know this is something that is you know a high, higher grade than than i had among the best of the digital captures that's out there so i, I think that part would be um would be beneficial and and who knows maybe at some point I'll, I'll pick up one of those systems and just use it for those times when when eight by ten just is not the right tool for the job right um, which is why i told myself i'd do with the sony but i didn't didn't end up actually doing that um because i would just end up carrying around the eight by ten regardless and you know it's it's kind of like you could use like a, a a wrench as a hammer if you want to you know it'll it'll work yeah, yeah. it's not the best but it'll do the job but yeah I, I do think i'll be forced into it um at some point and i don't know we'll we'll see we'll see on that but one of the things that was was kind of fun about the trip to death valley is so it was the third day that i decided to go for a bike ride and then a couple of days later i went for a second bike ride so i wanted to go from basically from Furnace Creek, which is the main area where there's the campgrounds and stuff. And that is at right at sea level um, and a little bit less than sea level, kind of depending on where you are at Furnace Creek, uh, down to Badwater, which is where they have this big lake that's about a foot deep now. And Oliver is barking in the background. That's okay. So I have probably... Emmy right by the closet door trying to bust <laughs> it down. <laughs> yes. Um, but I wanted to do that ride from, from Furnace Creek down to Badwater and back. And so it's about 33 miles round trip. So it, it's not too bad. Um, but one of the things that's really fun about it is it's, it's just continuous road. There's no intersections. There's no stoplights. It's just, you could just keep going straight. And even though you're starting kind of near sea level, you end up uh, right around 300 feet below sea level. It's like 280 something feet below sea level. Uh, there's about a 1500 foot elevation gain overall because you're going up and down these hills and every time you go up those hills it kind of it counts that as elevation gain but it was it was a really fun ride but it was so there's something that that uh there's two experiences i had on this trip there is one that gives me faith in mankind <laughs> and then there's one that is the opposite of that uh so the the faith in mankind experiences as i made my way to Badwater. Um, I rode all the way there and uh, got off my bike and I'm just kind of walking along the boardwalk and then I uh, have this picture of me that um, I asked if uh, there's some there's some tourists there and, and asked if they could take a picture of me with my bike uh, right where the, the flooded uh, salt flats are and, and got a picture. But then as soon as that was done, I kind of put my phone away and then um, there's this gentleman who came up to me and he had a, a, a British accent and he says, are you Ben Horn? And, and, and meanwhile, I'm thinking like, I'm in spandex. <laughs> like, how, how am I being recognized? It's because you're in and, spandex. That's all that people know about you now. <laughs> yes. And so, is a, he was a photographer from the UK. His name is Mark Broomfield. And not only did he recognize me, he had purchased my 2023 print portfolio, came all the way from the UK, and sure enough, there I am at Badwater. It's got to be very strange from his perspective of, oh, maybe I found out about Death Valley by watching the videos or whatever. And you go there and then there's the person there with the bike. It's just absolutely bizarre experience. 
but he's a really, really nice guy. Um, and uh, so he and he's on this. I guess this is kind of the informal uh, artist recommendation because I know that you you'll have one a little bit later on. But uh, on Instagram, he's uh, Mark Broomfield Photo. Really, really fantastic work. Um, but it was just it was just one of those kind of once in a million experiences of. I mean, I'm feeling I'm feeling like I'm incognito here. You know, <laughs> we're in the spandex, got the bike, and 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 sure enough. Uh, people saw right through my 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 disguise. Yeah, you got to work on um, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that was fun. And then, sort of the the opposite sort of experience. So I got there on a Monday, and in Death Valley, there's a variety of campgrounds. So the one I like to go to is called Texas Springs. It's kind of in this little I don't know. I wouldn't call it a valley, but it's kind of surrounded by hills. And it's terraced, so each site is a little bit higher than the next one. And uh, there's uh, campfire rings, there's uh, picnic tables. You know, it's it's about as nice of a campground as you can get for you know being in Death Valley. Um, I grabbed a campsite there, and so that was on Monday. So, and I always stayed there until Sunday. I left really early Sunday morning. And there's a profound difference between the weekday crowd and the weekend crowd. Very, very big difference. And it was also a holiday weekend. So it was, it was a th- basic, it was a three-day weekend for a lot of people because of President's Day. And so it was an extra strong uh, weekend crowd. So, so Friday night after I was, it, was, it wasn't Friday night, it was late afternoon on Friday, kind of early evening. Uh, I had gone out in the mud flats and scattered some photos and picked up some trash. And I'm like, all right, let's go back to camp. I go back to my campsite and there's a huge tent on my campsite. Um, it was a big enough tent to park a car in. And generally, the bigger the tent you see, the less comfortable the people are with being outdoors. <laughs> um, yeah. If you see a campsite and there's a bunch of like little one-man tents or two-man tents or, you know, a backpacking style stuff, those are cool people. Those are the sort of people you want to hang with. But you see the really, really big tent. Uh, yeah, it's they, they brought their it, entire it home. Red flags. They brought their entire home with them. They did. Yes. Yeah, they did. Um, now the way it works at this campground is there is an automated kiosk, and that's where you go and you pay for the campsite. You just put in how many how many days you want, and it spits out a little receipt, and then you clip that receipt to the post on the campsite. And then the camp host will go around and they'll pull your receipt, make sure everything's good. Then they fold it in half. And with a really big Sharpie, they put the, the number of the day that you're checking out. So in my case, it was 18. And so when you're driving around to try to find a campsite, you just look at all those posts and you see what day people are checking out. And you can kind of figure out, you know, how long people are going to be there for and, and stuff. So now it's Friday and the campground is, is full. and when I get back there, you know, I see that big tent there. There was a group of four people and they were making dinner, big black lifted pickup truck, and their tag was put over the top of my tag. Mm. And so I, I went up to them and I said, Hey, uh, sorry to bother you guys, but this is, you guys are in my campsite. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that. You're going up to them. When they're in your campsite and you're saying, yeah. hey guys, sorry to bother you here, but like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's, that's pretty much how I, how I pictured that 
uh, starting off yeah. at least with you. Yeah. <laughs> now there's there's another aspect to this, and I mention this only because there's a little bit of a perceived power dynamic. It was a group of four women, probably in their 30s, and so you know I I kind of uh, approach them because I don't want to be like like the the the, the angry white guy i mean showing up yeah. like oh i have power this you know like it's like i like i'm just i'm trying to like be very very nice about it and they they told me that they paid the ranger for the site i'm like you paid a policeman for the campsite this is this is not how it works here <laughs> and so i go over to the signpost and i pulled my tag i'm like this is my tag that your tag is on top of and there was just kind of a bit of a go around and, and eventually uh, there was there was one of the women sort of took the lead and was just stonewalling me basically saying it is what it is so there, there was like no oh i'm sorry i we, we didn't know how it worked here or oh i'm sorry we thought that no one was here or whatever hey we'll we'll move down to the other campground in the morning or there, there was no sort of uh, apology. There is no sort of trying to find some sort of a compromise. Yeah. It was just, this is our site, go away. And so, at a certain point, I realized this is going nowhere. This is a weekend crowd bunch and there's no winning for me in this situation. Because, I mean, I, I didn't, it, by then it was getting dark. I'm like, I, I'm not going to expect them to like take down their tent in the dark and go, but I'm like, at least just like move your campsite <laughs> in the morning, do something. But at a certain point, I'm just like, you know, this is, this isn't going anywhere. There's no winning for me in this situation. So at some point I just said, all right, well, have a good life. And I just <laughs> took my tag and I moved down to the less attractive uh, campground. And uh, the, the neighbors next to me were, were heavy smokers. Mm, nice. uh, so I was just breathing in smoke for much of the evening. And, uh, and then the next day I, I found another site. Because by then, like the campgrounds, pretty much all of them were completely stuffed. Yeah. And I found another site the, the following night. And I was talking to the campground host down there and talking about how my, uh, you know, I moved down here and I had the tag from the other campground. And and how I was just uh, a little bit of a, uh, a refugee from the uh, <laughs> uh, from Texas Springs after you know, but uh, and she said, well, you know, did did you leave anything behind? Because sometimes people will leave a chair or something like that, just as to reinforce that the campsite is being occupied. And I, I told her that you know, in years past, I had left a chair, but someone stole the chair, and then someone stole the campsite. <laughs> So there's there's no winning with the weekend crowd, um, yeah. But despite all of that, I I got my film back, and I will say that I am quite happy with the images. Um, I have a wide variety, some that show actual sky, which is unusual. Um, I used many a grad filter uh, for photos on throughout the trip, and the conditions were excellent. There was no wind. And so I, I really do look forward to how that will all work out. Um, I haven't scanned any pictures yet, but I, I have I have played with some of the videos a little bit, and I'm also going to be doing a little bit of a different approach where some of the voiceover stuff, which is normally scripts that are right after the fact, I'm going to just read what I actually wrote in the journal entry. Okay. And so, like, usually I do the, the intro, I, I write a script and put it to a song and all that. 
In this case, I'm just going to read the first journal entry as sort of the opening monologue and, and make it all kind of work. So it's going to be a little bit of a different style. Um, no, I like that idea. But I, th I think it should be interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, so I, I think it'll be, um, it'll be a, different, a different sort of experience. But I will say that now that I saw the photos and, and I'm, I'm happy with what I have, I do want to, to make a return trip to Death Valley. I'll probably leave the camera behind. Just take the bike, just take the kayak, and uh, just because it was so fun biking there, it was <laughs> it was just a really awesome experience. So e even with the uh, the weekend crowd bunch, um, it was a good trip. So so that was that was nice. Yeah, I mean that's still talk about a one hell of a way to sour the last two nights or so of your your trip. And and I was, I was in my back of my mind, I'm just hoping that maybe there was a karma chipmunk that <laughs> yeah. will yeah, chew their go. engine wires. Like, you know, karma is a wonderful thing. Here I am picking up trash, doing that, finding my campsite taken away. So, I don't know. Yeah. Things happen. Yeah. For a reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, last weekend I just played around with the Fuji a bit because came in, everything yeah. came in on time uh, for me to do so. Uh, girlfriend had four-day weekend because of the holiday. Being a teacher has its perks. So Yeah, for <laughs> um, sure. So, we... Went out on a hike on the 16th, played around with it a little bit, and then ended up getting a ton of snow, another four or five inches, something like that. Um, oh, wow. And so, just tried tried making the most out of it uh, at home, and ended up getting a couple photographs of uh, the bamboo that's across the road from me that I had mm -hmm. photographed on film and made a print of that... Looks pretty good, and I haven't touched the files from the Fuji yet or anything. I'm gonna still wait a little bit yet on those, but yeah, yeah. So definitely, you're you're very much treating it with that film style of giving it some time. Yeah, yeah. At least for now, mainly because I am uh, finally, finally starting to switch over everything from my one hard drive to this new one that I had gotten a couple months ago, having that dual backup um okay well yeah, that's good finally that's very important <laughs> yes um, you've seen what's happened to me yeah, exactly and uh and then with that i'm re-editing some photographs and then also there's about a year's worth of photographs from the rico and from film that i just haven't really done anything with so that's preventing me from touching the fuji files for now at least so uh, yeah but then tomorrow we get the day away from my girlfriend took off of work and we get the day without Emmy. So that'll be interesting. Hmm. Uh, she is going to get spayed. So, ah, yeah. So, so she'll get the, the cone of shame. <laughs> <laughs> yep. We are dropping her off between eight and eight thirty in the morning. And then we're going to go a little bit longer of a drive than we would with Emmy right now, at least and go for a hike. And we'll probably pick Emmy up. Uh, the vet estimates around like four to between four and six, depending on uh, how she reacts to the anesthesia and how she starts to wake back up and all that fun stuff. Yeah. And now she's freaking out because she hears the garage door <laughs> opening from my mom yes. getting home. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so will that be the first time in all this time that? You know, she hasn't been around the house. Uh, yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Like, <laughs> it'll, be, it'll probably be weirdly quiet. <laughs> yeah, especially because Lucy doesn't do like anything. She just lazes around. So it's uh, it's just going to be a matter of how long we are out hiking. And once we get back from that, like depending on how much time we have until we have to go pick her up and get the phone call, it's what do we do with ourselves without a dog again? Because <laughs> yeah, the, the past four months, five. Five months, whatever it's been now, has uh, been nothing but puppy focused. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just like there was there was a time when my wife and I had dropped off Oliver at her aunt and uncle's house um, because we're leaving on a trip the next day or whatever. But it was just, it was just so weird and quiet in the house uh, when when he wasn't there. So it's you know they 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 come into our lives as a just ball of energy and and so much noise and stuff and. Um, then we just kind of get used to that. Yeah. And, uh, so it'll, it'll probably be oddly quiet. Yeah, it will, but we'll see how it goes. I'm also curious to see how she reacts to everything. Cause my, my parents' first dog, when she got spayed, they, she absolutely hated my parents for that, like that weekend, just uh. really irritated with them. Didn't want anything to do with them. Uh, so I'm curious to see how Emmy is with it. If she's she's either going to crawl up her asses the entire time and want to be super lovey to us because she's been gone for a day by herself in a weird place and weird people, weird things happening kind of deal. Yeah. Or she's going to absolutely hate us for doing such a terrible, terrible thing to her. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we'll see what happens. But yeah, it'll it'll uh, hopefully everything will go smoothly. Other than that, any other Death Valley stories to to share with the class? <laughs> <laughs> um, one other thing I, I was thinking when I was going on the um, the bike ride there is I was thinking of, I think one of the reasons why I've really been enjoying the cycling is that it's one of the very few things where you have to be extremely in the present. Um, just from the standpoint of, you know, scanning the road ahead of you, looking for any sort of, you know, issues or anything like that. So you have to be very much in the present, but at the same time, you, you kind of get into this zone where you also think about the past and you think about the future. So it's like one of those rare times when all three of those come together, where you're not just ruminating about something that happened in the past, or you're not just really looking forward to something in the future. It's just all those three things collide. And, and I think that's one of the the fun things about doing the cycling. Um, and and there's not, I'm sure there's other things that that also provide that, but um, there's just something about it in particular that was was quite enjoyable. So that, that was another takeaway from that. And then another thing too. Um, so since I've been doing the whole plant based thing, the food that I had on this trip, since I I'll usually bring along the uh, backpacking food for at least for the dinner, just to have a warm meal at the end of the day. And I found uh, several that are completely plant-based. And and typically the backpacking food is horrendous for you, like <laughs> loaded with cholesterol, loaded with saturated fat, just loaded with like salt and just horrible, horrible for you. Tasty, really tasty, but just like horrible. Um, but there was... Uh, there was uh, two different brands that I got stuff from. One of them was um, Peak Refuel, which I've had from for some of their other meals in the past. They had one, it was like a, 
I think it's kind of like an Indian inspired. Um, it's like butternut something, something squash, whatever. Um, but that was actually very, very tasty. Um, it's the only uh, vegan option that that company has. Um, but I did end up enjoying that. And then there's another company out of the UK um, called, I think it's called Firepot. They're these like yellow packages. And I had several of those as well. And those were also pretty good. But just from the standpoint that it was, e- even if I don't stick with the plant-based uh, in the long run, um, which at this point, I'm still going strong on it. I, I, haven't, I haven't wavered uh, yet. But just knowing that simple choices like the backpacking food, there are options that are still tasty, but they're just not loaded with all that really horrible stuff that is in in most of them. So maybe that's also one of the reasons why I had kind of a, a better better feeling, a little bit more energy and, you know, in between just wandering all day long, still having the energy to go for uh, the bike rides and everything else like that too. So that was another takeaway from the trip that was um that was quite good. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said before, I'm continuously surprised that you actually stuck with this despite your previous comments on not thinking that you would. <laughs> so, yeah, and I, I I forget now how long it's been. I mean, I'm sure if I, I looked back at the podcast, I could I could do the math, but um I know it's been well over a month, maybe approaching two at some point. I I don't know, but um but yeah, it's it's been interesting and lots of lessons learned. And uh yeah, so still going strong with About it. About a month and a half that you've been doing this month and a half. There you go. So, there you yeah. go. Yeah. Let's see how long it can last. See what happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so, do we have a uh, artist recommendation for this week? We do. So, one of the people that when I posted about this camera and got into a conversation with him, he is a UK photographer named Ben Lockett. And okay. I know that you follow him. So, should be able to pull him up pretty easily there. He's all black and white. If you scroll down, there's some color. But primarily working in black and white, primarily large format. I know that he just picked up the Hasselblad X1D2, I think is what it was, and been playing around with some uh, adapted lenses on that and seeing how that fits into his workflow for everything more is supplementation to large format than anything else. I'm looking at the work right now and, and I, I do indeed already follow him. Very moody black and white work, very expressive. And the color work, really cool as well. Really, really interesting stuff. Uh, in particular, I, I scroll down to some of the, the color images and I see some of the photos like with the, the cooling towers mm-hmm. from uh, nuclear power plants and guy kind of standing there shirtless next to like a, a boat that's not in the water. <laughs> <laughs> just just some like a really interesting stuff, a very interesting color palette for the color work and then uh, very, like I said, very moody and expressive for the black and white work. Yeah, I love the tonality that he gets out of his black and white photos and I know that he puts quite a lot of effort into into that to get everything just right with it. I still love yeah. that that first... So, if you're looking at his Instagram profile, on the very top of the three pinned photos that he has, the one on the left with the guy in front of the excavating machine, or I forget what he called it, um, and then the 
right pen photograph of the uh, trailer in the fog. Those are two of probably my favorite pieces that he has. So oh, those both are cool. really, really nice. Yeah, and that first one looks like it's uh, one of the, the tree ones that cuts down the trees and, and all yeah. that. Those, those are some pretty crazy pieces of equipment. But yeah, that, that, that's pretty crazy because it's got the, the, the foggy image and then it's framing the, the man in the front mm-hmm. of it. So that's, that's really cool. Yeah. And the trailer, that with a bicycle leaning there against the fence and then a uh, really uh, beat up looking old trailer. And you start like, is, is this like a, you know, is it not abandoned? Is that like someone's home? Is it, so it's, it, there's a lot of story uh, behind that. Yeah. And then the perspective of, of looking through the trees. I think too, it's um, so his most cool. recent post that he has on here as of now at least, is kind of looking out into the light uh, in a cave or from a cave. And if you actually read what he said about it, uh, he had no idea like what he was doing in terms of composition, in terms of metering, that kind of thing, because it was so dark in the cave. It was kind of, or focus, not metering, but in terms of composition and uh, focus, he was pretty much guessing with it. And then it wasn't until after he scanned it in that he noticed on the cave walls, there are engravings and such. So just really cool stuff. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That, it, it, I always find that fascinating. The things that you notice afterward when you look at a photo, the, the things that you don't notice in the moment. Um, and it ends up looking very intentional after the afterwards like as though like of course you saw this of course you know that was the whole reason why you framed mm-hmm. it you know um but it, it's it, it those are always some interesting surprises so yeah that's a, that's a very good suggestion i had to i had to pull out my old phone to 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 look at it because my my current one is still downloading the uh the instagram app um but yeah that's that's good um very very good suggestion i could definitely see that sort of work being uh, very, very well suited for a book and just spending time flipping between the pages mm-hmm. and, and, you know, taking, taking in all of the images and also perhaps, you know, pairing them to, to further enhance the experience. So, that's, that's, very, that's a very good suggestion. Yeah. So, there we go. Ben Lockett. I will have a link in the show notes below to go check out his work and give him some support. Perfect. All right. I think we're good. I hope you enjoyed our creative banter. You can learn more about Cody's work by visiting his website, CodySchultz.com. And you can find my work at BenHorn.com. For further discussion, join us at Patreon.com slash Creative Banter. It's a place where we can interact with you, the listener. And although we greatly appreciate those who contribute by joining a tier, discussions are open to everyone whether you're a paying member or not. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you around next time.